Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. So today we sat down with each other by coastally. We are separate right now and uh, having very different experiences. And we just knew intuitively because we are just things like that, that today's topic needed to be on anxiety. So we really deep dove into the conversation on anxiety, identifying, moving through it how we manage it, and just surfing the waves of it. This one is an amazing one. I'm so excited to share this with you guys because anxiety is something that Paul and I both have. The world has it. If you don't have it, I need to talk to you because I think you do. This is an important one for everyone. And with that, Pretty Mental family, let's take in a deep breath. And tune in. Hala Sinistera, welcome to Pretty Mental. Valentina Sinistera, welcome right back at you to Pretty Mental. We are recording. I am in LA. Paula is in Atlanta. Crazy. How's LA? We haven't even. LA's. This is our first time really getting to talk since you left. Have you? LA's amazing. LA's amazing. Really? I think I want to move here. No way. God, we do that every time we go somewhere. <laughs> I swear. I, I, I know. When I went to Mexico, I wanted to move there. And now I'm in LA. I want to move here. I feel like I just need a buddy pass so I can travel the world and live in different places and just be a nomad. Really? Take us through the energetics of LA, maybe. Just how yeah. It's so different. The energetics. I'll tell you what's been happening to me. I feel like the universe is giving me 21 million signs a day that either, I don't know if it's that I need to move here or that I'm going in the right direction, but we believe in synchronicities. I don't know what you guys believe, um, but when I landed, I my luggage actually, someone took my luggage and that was a sign that I needed to stay. <laughs> <laughs> And it was funny because when I found out that they took my luggage, I just had this overwhelming, like, it's going to be fine. Like, I'm, I'm not really worried. There was an initial, like, shock, you know, because I literally packed my whole closet because I'm going to be here for a while. Y'all, she really did. She had a big-ass suitcase. When you told me that they had taken your luggage, I was like, oh, no, because I saw <laughs> how much you packed in there. The Lyft driver that took me to the airport in Atlanta asked me if I was running away from home because I had so much stuff. So I had like an overwhelming sense of just everything's going to be fine. And I didn't have my luggage for 24 hours, but that was almost a blessing. I, because it allowed everyone around me showed up for me so beautifully. 
I had a group of friends that they were take some of, you know, I have some extra t-shirts, like merch t-shirts. Some of them work in music. So they have like uh, merch situations at hand. I had Yana's closet. I don't know. It almost brought me closer to my community and it showed me just like people rock. They really just show up for you. That's but I was amazing. never worried. And then I got my luggage back and these are some of the synchronicities that have been happening. So it's wild. Every time I set my ways, dude, it like 90% of the time I get to a location at one of the quadruple digits or the triple digits, 11, 11, 222, We started this podcast at 222 my time. Oh, wow. Even when the, when I'm running late, the time will change to like 1115, but it'll still be 1111 when I get there. Somehow I will get there a few minutes earlier. I was talking to my therapist and telling her all of the amazing things that have been happening. And then I walked outside and I found a $20 bill on the floor. Oh my uh-huh. God. Free money. <laughs> you really should move. Free money. What else? I have only had one Uber since I've been here and it was $7 and 77 cents. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's just little things like that, that I'm not even surprised anymore. It's like, okay, what's the next one? Yeah. You just feel like you're vibing, you're flowing, you feel at peace. Yeah, I totally do. I'm loving it. I'm so excited that I'm going to be here for a while. Yo, I'm such a a, cling, a stage five clinger. The day after Valentina left, I bought a ticket to LA. <laughs> I bought a ticket to LA the very next day. Yeah. Okay. So you feel good that you're going to be there for a while? See, okay. So that's different because usually that would not have been the, I, as your sister, somebody who's been around your whole life, the relationship to leaving your home for such a long amount of time, this is totally different. Oh, Wow. That's so true. I didn't even think of that. I feel like the stage that I'm at in my life right now is a very go with the flow. Whatever happens, I'm just going to go with it and everything is going to be okay. Because I would say the last few years of my life, I had really high anxiety and I just wanted to control everything. I was in a bit of a survival mode mindset. I had to be controlling with my schedule. I had to be controlling with, I just had to know everything that was happening And it's, you know, people go through different phases at different times in their life. And that was just a phase in my life where I was a bit more mentally in survival mode. And in order to feel safe, I I had to be a little more like tightly bound, if that makes sense. People don't realize that control issues a lot of times, people don't realize that control issues stem from anxiety. Totally. All of my controlling issues was just anxious. I was anxious Mm -hmm. because of you know, whatever, everything that was around me. But now I feel so free. The stage that I'm at in my life right now, I feel like I have tapped into the Valentina before she ever even got depressed. I feel like I tapped into the Valentina who is free and who is playful and who is so close to that free-spirited child in her, lives her life with an open heart and trusts the world and everything really does work out. So that takes shedding layers of trauma and conditioning in order to do that. What Do you feel comfortable talking about what has helped you get to this point? I'm sure we have many listeners in who just hearing that are like, oh, what, like, I want that, you know? I wanna be able to feel that way. I wanna be able to feel like I can flow with life. I wanna be able to feel like I can trust the universe. I want to be able to overcome this anxiety. Man, that's a hard one. 
because I never want to say, you know, of course, a lot of it has to be environmental. It all plays into like where, what is in your surroundings at that time. But I will also say I just kept going. I just kept taking one step in front of the other and really focusing on my mental health the whole time as much as I could. So I had like the, the intention of the way that I wanted to go, like the energy that I wanted to take on. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think that's what's important is exactly that, is that mental health has been a priority for you. A priority for me. A total, total, total priority for me. Yeah. So it's not like you just stumbled upon this accidentally. No, no. Right? I like happiness is a practice. Inner peace is a practice. Flow is a practice. And it's things that sometimes they're easier to practice than others. Just like you have good days at the gym and, and, and harder days at the gym. However, if you keep going and that's a priority for you and that's your intention, you are going to reap the benefits. You are. And I've been lucky enough to have you who you've been able to guide me during the really hard times. And you've been able to call me out when I've been in situations that maybe I was being like um, self-sabotaging. And I have a therapist now. She's been instrumental. Okay. She's been instrumental in my life into helping me tap into the most authentic, wild version of myself. Having a therapist during transitional periods is so underestimated. Like anybody that's going through a transition should just give themselves the gift of finding a therapist to support them through it. There's no need to leave your, to let your own mind go rogue during those times because our minds will take us to such unnecessary places when we are trying to find our balance again. And when we are going through, you know, major shifts in our life, there's so much room for error, I guess, in terms of how we interpret what's happening, in terms of how we interpret the world, in terms of how we interpret ourselves, and just having somebody there that can point to how the different things in your life are connecting, a different way that a more effective, useful, helpful way that you can view the situation, how you can perceive what's going on and your responses to it through the filter of what you've been through and how you can choose differently this time to create a different outcome. But that's not really, I mean, it's, it's, just not even reasonable to think that we can do that on our own. My God, you really, we really can't. I don't even know what everyone listening thinks about therapy if they've never been to it, but it's nothing like you think if you're at all hesitant. It's not someone that is just going to sit there and they're going to, yeah, I mean, they will say, you know, how do you feel about that? But it's different. It's someone who really witnesses you and really is, has spent their entire life essentially studying themselves and studying the depths of the human psyche. So they know how these things operate they can reflect us back to us and make us see things in a very clear way. Because oftentimes we're seeing things through our own traumas, our own past, our own, we're projecting. Our lens is very colored by our own experiences and by the society that we live in. And there's layers and layers and layers. And then you have someone who has really studied how the human brain works and how the human animal works and they can really help you see things really clearly, really clearly. And it just feels so good to have that. Yeah, I think for as much as you and I talk about anxiety and depression and mental health, I'm still surprised by how many people that are, even in my life, still feel that it's a stigmatizing conversation. Yeah. Because that is something that I do here. And I'm just like, but how? You know, it's... We should be able to acknowledge, for example, that 
that we have anxiety. People are even, I, I think people are afraid to acknowledge that what's going on with them, for example, could be anxiety because it somehow feels stigmatizing. I would say that anxiety should not be stigmatizing because it's a natural response to just not the most conducive environment for human beings. But if it's, we find it stigmatizing, then what we're going to do is that we're going to assume that the issues that we're having and the difficulties that we're having are because there's something wrong with us. But if you can't put a name to it, then you don't know how to work with it. I just don't even know how it can still be a stigmatized conversation because I feel like every single human in this world has had to have some level of anxiety at some point in their life. Because like you said, and Anna in our conversation with Jason Gregory, this is not a very natural way of living. We live in a very programmed society that is very backwards to our innate nature. We live in a, in a society that tries to tame you and domesticate you and tries to label you and put you in a box and make you act in a certain way in order to be a perfect person. And it's, it's like how, it's crazy. It's almost like if you take a bunch of like, monkeys which is us and you're you put all these rules on them and no you're not you know you don't deserve to be loved monkey because you don't you know you're not getting attention from all these people or it's like you put all these yeah like you're not filing your nails correctly your nails aren't pink (laughs) right like look at that little monkey got a little pudge on his belly he deserves to be out of (laughs) here he's not loved that monkey's not collecting enough bananas get him out of here like it's just we're not meant to be trained and programmed. We're meant to, to flow. We're meant to flow. I think, you know, and, and that's why that conversation with Jason Gregory is so powerful because just what he was saying about tapping back into our internal nature and to our instincts and into our intuition, it just makes me think, and you know, with the wisdom of the Tao being all uh, based on the way of the natural world, makes me just come to terms with the fact that we all, the strongest compass, the strongest guidance systems that we could tap into for our life has to be inside of us. Why wouldn't it be inside of us? You know, our body knows how to grow. My hair grows without me doing anything about it. My body puts itself to sleep. My body develops muscles. I, I cut, I get a cut on my finger and my body heals it. So there's an, there's an inherent intelligence within us that, when we are constantly worried about how we quote unquote should show up and just preoccupied with the ways to control our external environment so that we feel no discomfort, it creates so much war and so much tension between us and life that there's no way that our natural essence is going to be able to just flourish out of that. Cause there has to be some level of balance within any system for growth to happen right it's kind of like balance and then strength it it, kira was talking about this too is that you if you try to like develop strength but you don't have any balance that's just you're going to be all lopsided you're not even going to be able to access the full potential of what your muscles can do and so if we can find a way to shed all these layers shed all these conditionings put the ideas that kind of keep us trapped in place in perspective and realize that they're not who we are we can start harmonizing with the natural balance of this inner wisdom that is inside of us. And the beautiful thing is when we start harmonizing with ourselves and just really allowing everything to flow, we allow other people around us to be exactly who they are, to be as whatever their wilderness, whatever their primal instincts are. We allow them to be their most authentic selves, their best selves. And it just becomes an environment of people who 
are really living in the now and no one is interested in controlling anyone. No one is interested in judging anyone or picking anyone apart. You're just here because there's that innate trust and that, that alignment with just the energy of the universe. It requires doing our work. So let's maybe backtrack a little bit because I've realized that a lot of people still think that anxiety, it, that it's stigmatizing to acknowledge the having anxiety because they don't understand what it is. I've said this before. I had anxiety my whole life and I had no idea that that's what was going on with me until I accidentally somehow started specializing in anxiety. And as I'm receiving my training, I'm seeing these things and I'm like, uh, hold on a second. <laughs> this sounds like me. You know, it was just, oh, I have anger problems, right? Oh, I'm emotionally eating. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a willpower issue. I just don't have enough willpower. Anger, oh, you just have temperamental issues. You don't really know what's happening. Um, addiction. Fear. Addiction, fear of, yeah, using substances to, to numb. That was stigmatizing too. It's like, there's something wrong with you. You, you, you know, you don't respect cultural norms. You know, you don't value being in your full consciousness and there's something wrong with you for that versus when, when we turn to substances, what we're really, we're self-medicating. We're self-medicating. So it's like, I love what Gabor Mate says, it's not why the addiction, but why the pain. And so like that pain, all that pain is rooted in fear. You know, I would say even like my, I remember high school year, choosing to not apply to more universities because I was afraid of getting rejected. And the typical way to deal with that was just like, oh, like, you know, you just need to have more courage. Like there's something wrong with you. Why don't you apply more? Like, what are you doing? Versus like acknowledging that there was a real fear there and dealing with the fear and acknowledging that. And that fear is anxiety. If fear comes up more often then it's comfortable in your day. If it's getting, you know, fear of what people think, a fear of making the wrong decision, a fear of, of making choices, a fear of disappointing others, a fear of getting off of your routine, fear of accidentally saying the wrong thing, fear of not sticking to your to-do list perfectly, all those fears, fear of somebody saying something negative about you, fear of expressing yourself and having other people possibly reject you fear of rejection like all of that is anxiety it's just fear 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 so if you experience fear on a regular basis like people don't understand that not being able to make a decision is a symptom of anxiety it doesn't you know that we will attribute it to like oh i'm just indecisive no like it's because there's so much unknown in making these choices that we as we move through life so in order to overcome it, you don't overcome these things, for example, that fear by assessing and looking at all the different options and with a microscope, looking at all the possible outcomes, you overcome it by doing what you're doing, for example, which is increasing your tolerance for uncertainty. Yeah. And I'll say before I even came to LA, every time someone would tell me, I can't believe you're going to be there for, you know, however long I'm staying with <laughs> I don't know, but for over a month. I'd be like, oh my God, you're right. I'm going to be there for over a month. What am I thinking? <laughs> I would get a little anxious because, you know, I don't really know LA. Like I know my, I know Atlanta. I know my supermarkets. I know where I like to go ride my bike and walk. And I know my, my normal routines, 
but every single time that I would also get that those nerves that would come in, I would be like, you know, a certain level of what I would just I would keep telling myself is fuck it. Truly, like, you know what? We'll see what LA has to bring and we'll and we'll deal with it then. You know, like what what's so scary? What's so scary from being home away for so long? Because like you said, I have been super attached to being close to the family my whole life. My whole life. And yeah. You know, now I'm at a stage where I recognize the anxiety, but I also recognize that it's the anxiety isn't necessarily warning me about anything that I need to be warned about. The anxiety is just something that is a habit. It's a personality habit that I've allowed myself to cling on to because I thought it kept me safe. And I realize, you know, I'm at, I'm at a point now where I'm just kind of tired of having anxiety. Like not this again. No, listen. No, I had a situation that happened not that long ago, back when I was in Atlanta. I woke up that morning and I realized I was a little more on edge and I had anxiety. And then I was, I went into another situation in that day that was anxiety inducing again. But during the entire time that I had the anxiety, I was, I told myself, and because you told me this actually a few days before when I was anxious again, you told me abstain from storytelling today. And I yeah. really held on to that. Like I really, really like tattooed that into my heart. And then, you know, when I was anxious that day, I told myself today, I'm going to get deep, deep into my body all day. And I have, and I understand that today's just one of those anxious days. So I'm going to consciously and intentionally not narrate anything that's going around me. I'm going to not try to create stories or predict the future or, personalize what's happening. I'm going to just stay in my body and I'm going to stay present and I'm just going to observe what's happening around me. And I'm not going to react to anything in the more anxiety I will get. I will become a greater observer. And by the end of the night, the anxiety had totally dwindled away. And typically I would have been just exhausted or wired or just ready for the next day. But I was so at peace. Because the moment that you react to the thoughts or whatever situation is happening in front of you. Or the sensations in or, your body. Or the sensations in your body. It's as if you are opening up a door inside of you and inviting the anxiety to come make a little nest. Ooh. And once it's inside of you, it's a, li- it's a little harder to try to work it out. Because at that point, you kind of let it you got to let it ride out because then if you start fighting it, it'll only grow bigger. It becomes a bit of a war and a bit of a dance. But when you do not open that door and when you become a total observer of the sensations that are happening in your body or of the situation that's happening in front of you or of the person that is making you want to react, when you just become an observer, you don't let that anxiety in. You're just watching. And I would say that Part of being an observer is is challenging ourselves to say to not put a label on what's happening, to not say this is good or this is bad, because I think that's where we really get trapped. That's when our brain really gets locked in. Is I feel a sensation. Sam Harris is actually talking about this that anxiety and excitement physiologically are actually extremely similar. They're very similar. It's just that when we are experiencing that that group of sensations for example if you are about to go on a roller coaster or something like that then it it matches up and you're not trying to resist it it makes it makes sense to you 
But when we ex experience it as a response to a thought or a psychological experience or a social interaction, then it's the same group of sensations. It's just that then we put a label on it that this is bad and this shouldn't be here. And the moment that we put that label on it, we get our brain gets locked into it because the brain is a problem solving machine. So now it's going to become hyper focused on fixing it. And the problem is that when it comes to anxiety, getting rid of it and fixing it is actually really counterintuitive because if it's telling you you're in danger, which is ultimately what anxiety is saying, then you may compulsively start Googling stuff. You may compulsively start checking. You may compulsively start looking at someone's social media. You may compulsively, just anything compulsive <laughs> that you'll start doing to try to get certainty, which is what anxiety is gonna try to get you to do so that you can get, trying to get some illusion of safety, that's going to amplify it. And it all starts with that labeling of this is good or this is bad. But if we can pause at that beginning, which is such a great reminder, I'm so glad you brought that up, because if we can pause at that beginning and just catch it before it even gets going, say, you know what, like, it may or may not be, I don't know what that person's thinking, they may or may not even be thinking about me. Um, and I use the social one because social anxiety from social interactions is probably honestly one of the most common. And something that's so important to remember too is what you just said is not seeking, not trying to seek reassurance, not trying to seek reassurance. So the anxiety that I had in the, the example that I was talking about earlier, typically I would have called that person and been like, is everything okay? Because the anxiety started stemming from a little bit of like, I, I think they're mad at me or I think something, you know, something's off. Yeah. And it can start with something as simple as like, they didn't put an exclamation mark on their sentence. No, it actually you know? it actually had to do with the way we were texting. I was like, something's off. This is not how they text. And then I told myself, you know what? They that they may or may not be mad at me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna let them handle it. I'm gonna let them handle it. And if they wanna say something to me, they can say it. Because I I've been through this route before and chances are my mind is probably creating a little story right now. And I'm going to refrain. And I did. And everything really ended up being completely fine. And I felt like I had really just worked that anxiety muscle, that anti-anxiety muscle. Every time that I catch myself refraining from trying to seek reassurance, it becomes easier and easier. And I think that that's why I feel so good right now because I don't, I'm not dependent on anyone or any circumstance around me to be predictable. I just deal what I have to deal with when the time comes. And honestly, I start seeing this. Things are actually not as serious as I once thought. Another thing that came to my mind when you were talking is a big reason why my anxiety is not so prevalent right now is because I really feel like I'm standing in my own power right now. I feel like I'm really standing in my own light. I'm, I'm allowing that natural being, that natural human animal to really be alive. I'm really connecting to, to me, to my heart, to the, the most authentic version of myself. And I would say that my therapist told me that I have, like many people, I'm the kind of person that I will mirror the energies around me. So someone is kind of radiating on a lower, more depressed, more, you know, caged in, tense vibe. I will kind of make myself a little smaller to meet them at their level. I will not try to make waves or try to create more tension, you know, or more moves around me for fear that maybe it would increase their anxiety. And now I've really been practicing just staying at that 
high vibe, shining bright, standing in my deepest power with my heart wide open, even around people who I can tell if they come to me anxious, like I won't shrink back down. I'll stay there. And eventually people end up meeting me up, up on that level. That's amazing. That takes so much courage. It does because before I thought that I had to meet them at that level to keep connection. Like I have to make them comfortable. I have to make the situation comfortable in order for them to be okay or in order for our friendship or relationship to be okay. And I really am at a point now where I'm really not willing to blackmail myself or dim my light or dim my power or stay in this little box to make anxious people around me comfortable. And it really has done amazing things. It has made me prove to myself that I can stay there and it's everything is fine. I don't need to adapt to lower vibrations, quote unquote. And it's also shown me that people will eventually meet you up there. They really will. And if you let people be in their little anxiety for a while and not try to control it or not trying to manipulate the situation for everything to be better, it's better for everyone. Things end up flowing better. All it takes is one time of mustering up the courage to do that, to have a corrective emotional experience. And so each time the momentum kind of built on itself. But that first time is always the hardest. And then as then you get evidence that actually, no, like that was fine. I was able to stay in my open hearted place and the world didn't crumble. And actually I walked away feeling like I didn't abandon myself. Fully. That's what I feel right now. Like I am not abandoning myself in any situation and it feels so good and so empowering. So abandoning ourselves is actually sometimes matching people. Which is interesting because we're such social animals. So it has to be such a dance between, you know, you hear that all the time, meet people where they're at. That's actually a saying. How do we find a balance between meeting people where they're at, but also staying true to ourselves? You know what's wild? I Meeting people where they're at is not what you think it is. How I, what I'm experiencing now, I have, I'm building greater connection by not really trying, like letting people be, let them be where they're at. I'll be up here. You come up when you're ready. You know, that's the same with me. If I'm in an anxious place, the last thing I want is someone to be like very hyper aware of my anxiety and, and trying to rearrange things around me in order for everything, in order to, to help me. You know, I would rather you like, it's almost like when you trip in public and y'all just not look at me, don't look at me. <laughs> like pretend that never happened. It's the same thing with anxiety. Like when I'm anxious, can y'all just not look at me for a minute? Like, let, let me... Let my body do whatever it needs to do for a minute so I can like move on with my life. But then it's like we fear other people's darker emotions. So we think that we have to get involved or we, you know, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? We become codependent in order to quote unquote meet them where they're at. But there's something so powerful and just letting like coexisting with someone wherever they're at. And if it's a situation where they are just really it's so dark and deep that they're starting to bring you down then remove yourself don't abandon yourself and remove yourself yeah and and so like a big one that's coming up for me with that is for example anger because anger is rooted in fear too it's just a different manifestation of it but people have a tendency to mold themselves or make themselves smaller when someone is more comfortable showing up in anger and this is a conversation that i've actually had a few times this week where it's recognizing that 
because the, one of the main topics that come up comes up in my work is human relationships. That is really, I mean, that is usually the cause of anxiety, <laughs> honestly. So when someone is angry, a lot of people, especially when they struggle with anxiety, they want to help remove that person's anger or help diffuse it or help bring it down. And what ends up happening, especially when you're dealing, I'll actually, yeah, when you're dealing with controlling or abusive people, the more that you try to diffuse, the more that you're showing that you're being affected by it and the more that you, that it actually like opens up the space for them to amplify their anger. Like you actually get the reverse effect usually most of the time because suddenly they're actually being shown that they can take up all the space with that kind of emotion versus if we can just say, okay, you, you can stay in your anger. That's okay. You can stay there. Suddenly, immediately you take your power back in that moment when you're in a relationship with someone whether you know platonic relationship sister you know you and me co-worker whatever when you okay when i'll speak personally when i now allow myself to be to let people stand in their own anxiety in their own whatever they need to stand in without trying to force them force the situation to be better or like try to help them out of that anxiety so we can both be comfortable because if you really think about it you're just uncomfortable with their anxiety you know you think you're, you, you think you're being helpful but it ends up if we really take a close look at it it ends up being a form of manipulation even even if you don't mean it that way it does absolutely and when you can just allow people to sit in whatever emotions they're in not only will it not get worse but you'll actually be able to see someone really clearly for who they are and the really witness their habits and just who they are. And you can decide at that point, if that's a situation or relationship that you want to be in, is that even healthy for you? Because in the past I would, with my codependency, try to really manipulate the situations, not like knowing it was manipulating, but that's just, it really, that's what it is because I was, I didn't want them to be anxious or I didn't want them to be angry. So I would try to make everything better, but then I really wouldn't be able to see them for exactly who they were. You can't see people for exactly who they are. If you're constantly attached to their emotions mm -hmm. and attached to how they move through the world and attached to how they wanting, move through the world. When you want a specific outcome, that's going to make you more comfortable versus just no one it's hard to, to get people to change because we don't change for others. We change for ourselves. But I mean, if you're in a relationship with somebody that's interested and willing and like, Hey, you know, I'm okay with you calling me out. Like I actually want to see these things. Then that's a different conversation. Cause then you're just collaborating and that's fine. But if you're constantly just, if we, we get into the space of constantly trying to like diffuse or, or manage or dance around or set up other people's emotions in a certain way or expect them to interact with us in that other way. That's just anxiety. Cause that's just, con it, it, it's in, it's controlling at the end of the day. And, and it ends up becoming a dance of fear between the two of you. And that's when human relationships really just become shitty. 100%. And I would say with women, we're caretakers and men as well, but I can speak from a woman's perspective is I would want to tailor the situation around me. I would try to like, clean up the, the spills, clean up the wounds in order for all of us to be good, in order for everything to be comfortable. But you can't see the situation as it actually is in reality if you're constantly trying to like hide the evidence. 
You know what I mean? If you're constantly trying to clean things up or if you're trying to put band-aids over things. And if you just let people react exactly how they need to react or let people be exactly who they are without you trying to change them, you will really get a very clear picture of that is a situation that you need to be in or a situation that you need to remove yourself from. That's been such a game changer for my own anxiety. Yeah. So it's a dance again, like always, because some feedback is important. Obviously, like you and I in our relationship, we've had to do a ton of communication to understand each other. But but we're so we're, both, we're hungry for it. Both of us want to know because we're interested in in um, still being sisters. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a big part of it too. Is 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 you know kind of temp checking the relationships, and and there has to be equal willingness on both parts to continue to engage. Or else it's almost like you're kind of like running, trying to pick up the pieces so the person doesn't get the urge to run out at any minute. And if that's what we're doing, then that that's an immediate stop. That's a red light. Stop that. Because all you're doing is exacerbating your own anxiety, exacerbating your feelings, your abandonment wounds, exacerbating your fear of uncertainty, exacerbating your lack of trust in the universe. It's just kind of like it, it becomes fuel for that, for all of that tension. But if it's a relationship where you are both willing and you both have expressed and shown up and show that you value it, then a, yeah, by all means communicate. I'm realizing speaking to my therapist more and more that this life is not even so much, it, it is your relationship with other people. that has a huge impact on your mental health, but more than anything, it's your relationship with yourself and how things actually are. So what I mean by that is, I am not as effective lately with other people and how they, you know, I guess project onto me. Like no one can really make me feel like shit because I really become aware that a lot of the times people are projecting onto you what they're not ready to, to look at in themselves or they're reacting to you because they're not sitting with their own anxiety. A lot of what people throw at you, at me, at everyone, is their own stress, their own anxiety that they can't hold themselves. And I've really been able to see that clearly lately when someone tries to react at me or try to throw like any kind of venom my way. Maybe in the past I'd be like, what is wrong with you? Like, like why are, you know, why so much anger? Why so much tension? But I'm really realizing that that person's, that that's their own deal. So when people come at me with their anger or their anxiety or their angst or their whatever, I don't really personalize it as much as how I did in the past and making, I don't make it so much about me or like I'm a bad person and I'm not a good friend. I'm not a good, whatever. I very much just sit and observe how they're unable to observe their own selves. And I can witness situations very objectively and not personalize them as deeply just by being that observer. And I think that that's had such an enormous impact on my own anxiety realizing that a lot of the times what people are throwing at you are their own their own stuff their own stuff that they haven't really looked at and it allows me to be like all right either i'm going to stay here or i'm going to leave the situation i see it clearly i'm not i'm not attaching myself to any emotion that's throwing that's throwing itself right in front of me i think so that is i would say that's the consequence of doing the the self-inquiry being in therapy and also training through meditation 100 percent and breath work and breath work how, how does breath work play into this for you being very embodied 
when you do those deep breaths that we do, you get completely out of your head and you feel the level of peace that comes from being so in your body. You feel the, the power that comes from being so in your body. You feel how clear the world looks by being so in your body and out of your head. So you know what's actually really cool about that is that you're in a very visceral, tangible way showing yourself that your inner peace is actually not really dependent on other people. Truly. Yeah, so I can see breathwork being really powerful in that way. Because it's like stuff can can like be super messed up or you could be like in a tense situation in a relationship or a job or whatever it is, but then you sit there and you do those 20 minutes of the breathwork and you actually do experience peace. And nothing in your external world changed. Nothing in your external external world changed. And what happens when you do breathwork too is we don't realize how much we're suppressing during the day. We don't even realize how much we're suppressing when we're angry, when we're anxious, when we're sad. We think that we let it out when you react. But that's really, when you react, that's not letting it out. That's almost gripping onto it tighter because you're forming a deeper relationship with it that you feel that you have to react in this very explosive way. But when you do breath work and what you're doing is that you are opening up a space for you to get these emotions to feel them to literally feel them not not in your mind but to feel them in your body and to allow them to release and the first few sessions of my breath work I remember would give me more anxiety than that it would be a little more scary because I wasn't used to just letting these heavier emotions really see the light but the more and more that I do it they, they, they start leaving and I realize that self-regulation really comes and peace and balance and all that really comes when you just allow yourself to really feel, even if it's scary, even if it's, if it gives you anxiety for a little bit, but feel so that stuff can leave you so you can cleanse yourself. And so you can really be present. And we mean feel it, feel it, not make up a story, not attach labels, you know, cause I think it, a lot of people in, in how we would have interpreted before we got trained in meditation, it would be to feel it would be like to understand it, to connect with it, to, to like make sense of it, to, to figure out where it came from. That's not feeling it. We literally mean in the most literal way that you could interpret that. Feel it as a sensation in your body without labeling it as good or bad. Just get really curious, allow it to amplify, and then you realize that it's just a sensation and it'll move through and you are now experiencing inner peace without having to have changed anybody or anything in your external world. A hundred percent. You realize that the circumstances around you that we typically allow to really overpower us, at least when I do breath work and it really shuts my brain off and allows me to feel what's in my body and let it out. I realize that like these situations are just situations. They're only heavy because my mind gets involved. They're only heavy because we start creating narratives and stories around them. Well, the, when the mind gets involved and it puts a label on it as good or bad or like, oh, that's not what I want, we get locked in. We get locked in. And now you are, I mean, I just, I see it visually as this like, almost like a, a washer machine, a washing machine that's going in a circle. And it's like the moment you start putting the label on it, you've, you've closed the door and now like you're in there <laughs> versus I don't know. And let me just feel it at the level of sensation. I'll say breathwork really has been actually, we're talking about it. That's been right up there with my therapy. Hell yeah. I'm After this conversation, I'm about to go do 20 minutes of breathwork. <laughs> I'm serious. You should do it. I'm, I 
it has been such a game changer for me. I feel every single time that I do breath work, I'm like, this is like a million dollar product that is within our own bodies. It brings me more peace than anything I have ever done because it is the only, it is the only thing. It is deeper than meditation. It's deeper than even the 10 day Vipassana retreat, the silent retreat that we did. It's deeper than anything that I've ever done that it's more, it's the only thing that has been able to really shut my mind off. And now I really know what what feeling really is. You can't, you can't explain what feeling really is. It's like trying to explain what like life on Mars is like, you can't explain it. Or or like, or like what swimming in a pool is. You have to swim in it. You have to swim in it. You have to really float in that, in that space that does not involve the mind and just involves being here and being in the absolute present and in total stillness and just allowing the only thing to be is your feelings or the sensations in your body. It teaches you to to not be scared, to not react, to just be here. Yeah, because it's also amplifying the capacity of your nervous system in a very in a very physical way. All right, what a great conversation on anxiety. That was a really powerful conversation on anxiety. Yeah, it was. I'm gonna. I'm definitely doing breath work after this. I know. Do it. Tell me how it is. I will. All right, you guys. We love you. Los queremos mucho. Thank you for tuning in with us. Make sure to tune in on Mondays at 6 a.m. EST, which is wild. It's 3 a.m. Yes. PST over here. For the real early risers. Be kind to yourselves. We love you. We love you. Bye. Peace.